Welcome back in, Impact is on. Long time no see, everybody. Spartan fans and MSU uh, alumni, whoever we got listening here, college hoops alike, welcome back. We are back. I don't know exactly when our last episode was, but it was before the game against Virginia was canceled. So it's been a while. It was December 8th. I was checking last night. December 8th. So that's, 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 a, that's a couple weeks. But, you know, we're back off the hiatus. You know, we also had our exam week. So, guys, I got to ask you, how did the exams go? You know, I kind of praise myself. I was telling friend of the podcast, Nathan Stearns, this the other day. I went and visited him, and we had some Chick-fil-A and caught up. I tell him that, that uh, my sports analogy for how I do at MSU is I always start the semester bad and finish the semester fantastic. And once again, that rang true. Um, so I'm pretty happy. Strong finish, you know, comparing it to a basketball player, you know, finishing the game, finishing the semester. You're a closer. Uh, that's my that, – yeah, I'm a closer. I'm a closer. So I'm happy about that. I won't go into specifics. Uh, let's just say I'm going to take advantage of uh, Michigan State University's new grading policy for this semester. Hey, you'd um, be crazy so, not to. You'd be crazy I, not to do it. I'll, I'm going to stop talking before I get myself in trouble here with in listener <laughs> yeah. land. But uh, let's just say that uh, I'm going to use my resources. Yeah, you know, I've never been the uh, the go-to student. Uh, uh, I've never been an academic weapon, as my roommate would say. Um, but I've I've gotten by. And uh, I've actually been lucky at Michigan State so far. Obviously, I'm just a sophomore. This is only my third semester here. My first semester ever, I didn't have a single final exam. And then my second semester, I think I had two. And I only had uh, two this semester as well. And one of them was pretty easy. But I got really unlucky. And in part, it was my fault because I was under the misconception that my math exam was 100 questions and not... 24 and we were allotted four hours for this exam so when I opened it up I was like okay I kind of need to get going this thing is due and I opened it up expecting to see a ton of questions and I saw the 24 I was like okay this is part one right so the questions that were quick and easy and I could bang out I did those and the ones that looked like they were going to take a little bit longer I went a little too fast and it turned out the exam was 24 questions and that was it so (laughs) So, I, didn't, I didn't end it on a high note, but we'll be all right. Yeah, what is well, that? I'm, I'm terrible at math. 60 minutes times four <clears throat> times four hours. What, 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 what is that? 240 minutes. You could have spent 10 minutes on each question. Is that, oh, is that how oh, that works? 20%. Yeah. yeah. Was, this, was this math 101 or math 102? Because we're all germ kids here. Yeah, so we're not, uh, we're not crunching numbers for a living here. Yeah. Love, yeah. love the class. Which one was it? It was 101. Oddly enough, they made me – not take a math first semester last year and took I took 102 before 101 I took 102 last year but yeah so this one was 101 well nonetheless, I actually did the yeah, same we got, thing we got a bunch of jern guys here don't really don't always have a lot of exams just a lot of papers and projects and that kind of thing yeah. but uh you know I failed to introduce us as I'm a little bit rusty here on this 20-day hiatus or whatever it's been Trent Bally here with my guys Luke Sloan Brennan Shabbat bringing you all the Michigan State hoops content and what a week we have to talk about right now, fellas, because the Spartans fell to the Northwestern Wildcats on Sunday by a score of 79-65. to First conference game of the season, and the Spartans off to an 0-1 start in the very competitive Big Ten. But before we get into the game, guys, we got to talk about the jerseys because uh, I was not impressed with them. I'll let you guys get your thoughts in for a sec. For me, they kind of looked like the San Antonio Spurs, like, summer league jerseys or, like, or maybe, you know, Providence Friars practice jerseys, something like that. I, I, I like the idea of using the black, but I would have liked to see a little bit more green in the mix there. What do you guys think? I'm going to lob this one up to Brendan right here. I'm thinking like Dwayne Wade to LeBron James at Milwaukee. But they had the right start. The logo on the front of the jersey with the number below it. Pre-show, we were talking about how the Cleveland Cavaliers had some uniforms like that when LeBron played their second tenure where they had the logo big on the front and then the letter, but the coloring was just not right. I didn't think it, it popped almost too much. You couldn't see the logo very well, but uh, my partner over here, I'm going to lob it up to him to finish uh, our point here. It's kind of a dual point. Yeah. You know, we've, this has been a topic of discussion for football, not only MSU across the nation, football and basketball since I've been at impact. And I am a huge Jersey connoisseur. 
if, if I do say so myself. And I love the black jersey. I think every team on every sport should have a black alternate because I think it's very clean and I think it can really make your team colors pop if you have the right ones. And Michigan State has not taken advantage of that yet. And they had a really good opportunity to against Northwestern. What I would have liked to see was a green Spartan head outlined in white and maybe do the same with the numbers or you leave the numbers that kind of like smoky gray black that they had, but, um, or you make it white. But yeah, you know, I think, I think they, they dropped the ball a little bit on that one, but you know, Michigan State's had some good jerseys in, in the past and I, I expect them to see the, see the feedback from the fans and, and get it right next time. Yeah, I, I agree. Pretty good idea. Solid idea. Poor execution. Um, and the Spartans played poorly. So I would not like to see, you know, the, the fan in me would prefer not to see the Spartans wear these uniforms for the rest of the season, but whatever. That, that's just, if, that's just. If it, was the, if it was the Neons, they wouldn't have lost. They haven't lost in the Neons since I, like I don't, three years ago. Izzo's not letting them play in those uniforms again. I'll just say that. Yeah, it, the, it was. Th- those uniforms are going to go away. One of, one of the worst uh, Izzo-era losses that uh, we've seen in a very long time. So let's just get into it, folks. We lost uh, – or Michigan State lost, uh, drops the Spartans eight spots, number 12 in the rankings. Um, team just kind of came out flat. The game was never really close once the second half rolled around. Your leading scorer was Aaron Henry with 11. Gabe Brown and Malik Hall each had 10 as well. But the big problem, the glaring issue, was Rocket Watch and Joey Hauser combining for just 10 points. Those are your two highest scores of the season. Um, going a combined four for 18 and two for 10 from deep. So that was kind of the issue for Michigan State not being able to create offense. Joshua Lankford fouling out midway through the second half. And uh, the Wildcats, boo, boo, we drop in 30 points. Spartans literally had no answer. Uh, and that was really the game. You know, it, it was a struggle for the Spartans to create offense. And Bowie's just an unbelievable performance. So, guys, let's just get into it. On a scale of one to 10, how concerning is this loss for you? Luke, we'll go to you first. It's interesting. So for the scale, would ten be like emergency, five alarm, fire, and one? Yeah, ten be is like, like a problem. Ten is like Coach K level. Cancel the season. All right, I, I like that reference right there. Following, hey, that 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 quote was made following a Michigan State loss uh, to them. So we'll just put that out there on the record. I'd probably call this on the like emergency scale, maybe a six. Um, you know, I have the numbers pulled up right here. And it was just bizarre, you know, comparing the two shooting nights that these teams had. Like Michigan State, they shot 38% from the field, 25% from three, and 50% from the line. Northwestern shot 52%, almost 53% from the field, 47%. That's 10 to 21 from three. And then eight. I mean, it is not often in hoops that you see contrasting shooting lines like that so I mean just kind of bizarre but I don't want to cast this as just like an off shooting night for Michigan State and a hot night for Northwestern Boo Booey for the second consecutive year balled out against Michigan State I think he had 27 last year in one of their matchups 30 like Trent you put down on the dock in this one they didn't have any answer for him and their defense all night I mean they didn't have any I mean they allowed a unbelievable shooting night for Northwestern especially from deep And then I think that the thing that really concerns me and maybe why I'm putting this up here at a six is that thinking about Aaron Henry and, you know, Trent, you mentioned Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, 11 points in this game, but a pretty sleepy 25 minutes of play. And then Rocket Watts, just five and 21 minutes of play. This is the kind of game that last year with Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston, if the team doesn't have a great performance, you know, this is a a game where one of those two guys kind of wills them to a victory, you know, thinking about Cassius in particular. And neither one of neither one of those guys were there. So thinking about Watts, thinking about Aaron Henry, there's gonna need to be a player on this Spartan team that kind of steps up and wills this team to victory when it's not a great performance. So that's why I put it as high as a six. Yeah, I'm gonna have to sort of agree with you slow, but go a little bit lower. I'm closer to the four and a half, five range of concern we got to remember that this was their what seventh game of the season I mean this is mid-December we've still got three or four months left of this thing and you know this is like Sloan said with how he starts his semesters this is kind of how Michigan State plays basketball they kind of sputter at the beginning 
definitely happened last season too. And, you know, come March, they're one of the better teams in the country. And I think the, the thing about this loss was, yes, Michigan State shot poorly. Northwestern shot lights out and played really well. But it was, you know, and Izzo said this in the press conference, and he was spot on that this was just an, an effort lapse. And he said, you know, I can handle some turnovers and some shots and stuff like that. But if you don't want to bring the effort that's required to play at this level, we can't have that. And that's exactly what happened. Nobody looked ready to play. Malik Hall was the only bright side for me. And right when he was trying to start and uh, be the spark plug for the second half comeback, Langford fouls out, who was going to be another double-digit scorer for Michigan State. But, you know, I think the thing about this game is hopefully it can be a wake-up call for them. And, Luke, I think you're right about they don't have that leader that's going to will them to a victory in tough trap games like this. Um, but I think Rocket Watts is going to have to realize that he has to be that guy if, if they want to succeed. I don't think Aaron Henry is enough of a scorer to do it. Um, if, if he is, he just hasn't found his groove yet. But, um, yeah, Rocket Watts, Michigan State goes as Rocket goes, and he definitely needs to step up in the future. He's had some good games so far. He had a really good game against Duke. But you can't, especially in Big Ten play, you, you can't have nights like that. There's no nights off in this conference. And, and when you play like that, it's going to bite you in the butt. You know, I think connecting my point to your point about your point about effort and then what I was saying about those shooting numbers, just – especially in the first half, just settling for a lot of contested shots, taking shots that they shouldn't be. I mean, that's really the first time this year we've seen that off, this Michigan State offense kind of portray that. So that's definitely something that's going to be cleaned up. But, you know, like the, that shooting number goes with the, the effort point that Izzo was really quick to point out. Um, and, then the, and then defense as well. I mean, it just starts with a better effort. And, you know, you mentioned it as a trap game. You know, I didn't you know, on this podcast, we're like, oh, man, this is going to be a tough conference, everybody but Nebraska and Northwestern. But, I mean, top to bottom, I you know, this has proved that you can't sleep on anybody in this conference, even if it's Nebraska or Northwestern or, you know, even Purdue. So, you know, they're going to have to keep that in their minds moving forward. Yeah, we'll get to the Big Ten implications later. But, guys, on a scale of 1 to 10, for me, I, I'm going to do you guys one better. I'm in the 7 to 8 range. Now, I'm not, I'll, I'll give them the seven just because Tom Izzo teams deserve the benefit of the doubt. They just do. If you've watched Michigan State basketball for 20, 25 years, Brendan, you hit the nail on the head. This is just kind of what happens. But here's the reason I'm concerned a little bit is, is this just what's going to happen when Rocket Watts and Joey Hauser aren't playing well? Because, you know, what if that happens in the tournament, in the Sweet 16 or in the Elite Eight if you're trying to make a run? You know, these guys are going to have to step up. You can't just throw the towel in and get blown out by 15 and have guys fouling out and not look inspired on defense. So that, to me, is where I'm a little concerned. And I guess to, to, to peel back a second layer, it is, yeah, you're trying to iron out the wrinkles here a little bit, but that's kind of what the non-conference schedule is like. You know, we all talk that, – that's what that's for. We all kind of talked about how, uh, you know, we have lofty expectations for this team. All three of us do. I picked Michigan State to win the Big Ten. Um, and, and I just think if you're going to be dropping games in Northwestern simply because it is an effort lapse, that's just – you know, that's not a recipe to win. I think we all kind of know that. So that's why that's where I'm a little concerned. Obviously, I'm not going to tell Spartan fans to jump ship. I really do think this team will figure it out. But um, I, I, I think there is cause for concern there on the effort aspect. And if your two, you know, leaders, quote unquote, Joey Hauser and Rocket Watts aren't playing up to par on offense, is this what's going to happen going forward? And I guess that's going to move us into our next question, guys. Has your opinion already shifted at all? on where the Spartans stand in terms of their chances to win this competitive Big Ten. Luke? I still feel like Michigan State has very good chances in this competitive Big Ten. I mean, you know, you see Rutgers emerging right now as a very strong team. You know, Illinois, Wisconsin, who's coming up next. It's a strong conference, but I think the Spartans are still going to be one of the horses in that race. You know, Brendan, you, Trent, you both mentioned, you know, the typical trajectory of, of Michigan State basketball you know, they'll kind of cruise their way through non-conference, start building through the Big Ten season. And Izzo is going to have some coaching points to make after this game. I mean, he said it, you know, himself, you know, hey, maybe I've been a little too easy on the on the crew this year. So they're definitely going to amp it up, and he's going to have some coaching to do, which Tom Izzo is not going to be afraid of. But I think an interesting question, thinking about, you know, like big picture, 
you know, maybe this team really missed not having that Virginia game. I mean, I've missed you guys. We haven't podcasted since that Virginia game. But maybe this team needed that Virginia game as another test where people kind of had to step up, you know, hostile road environment, quality Virginia team. They have a game against Gonzaga coming up here very soon. Maybe they needed that game as kind of an extra test before the conference season started. So I don't know, you know, did they need that game against the Cavs a little bit more than we maybe thought? Yeah, you know, I think that game against Virginia would have been really helpful for Michigan State. And I think I predicted a win for Michigan State, but I think that could have potentially been a wake-up call maybe, you know. And and you could just see in their whole non-conference schedule that this was coming. They were going to get punched in the mouth one way or another pretty soon. Obviously, they weren't going to go undefeated this year. I didn't think prior to the Northwestern game, whenever they got the number four ranking, I still thought that was too high. I think there's a lot of problems with the AP poll right now. But I will say, I think 12, which is where they got last night, is pretty accurate. I think they are around the top 15 teams in the country. But there was no way they were ever the fourth best team in the country. Um, But, yeah, I was really expecting this kind of shot and wake up to tell this team that, you're not as good as everybody says you are and you've got a lot of room to improve. I was expecting that to come on Christmas against Wisconsin and it still might. And it might be two in a row that they, you know, have to reevaluate themselves and and take an inner look and see what they need to fix. Um, But I think the good thing about it coming on an unexpected night, like a a night against Northwestern um, is that it's, it's more surprising, you know, Wisconsin's a really tough team. They come in East Lansing on Christmas Day where these guys probably have never played on Christmas Day before. You know, that that's going to be a great game no matter what. And you might lose that one and say, hey, that's a close game. You know, that could have gone either way, 50-50. But there's not a single person involved on that entire Michigan State staff, player, coach, trainer, ball boy, that walked into Northwestern thinking they were going to lose and walked out thinking that they should have won. They got absolutely obliterated and embarrassed. And Izzo's descriptions of it were spot on. Yeah, Brendan, I, I completely agree. I think a punch in the mouth was coming regardless, but I thought maybe it would happen, you know, on Christmas Day against Wisconsin, which we're going to talk about sooner, against Iowa or against Michigan, you know, something like that, not necessarily Northwestern. And I think the Michigan State Spartans thought the same thing, right? And it was a little bit of sleepwalking, uh, lack of effort, you know, you, it, Middle Tennessee State-esque, you know, you just don't really know what to do. You get, you get put in the hole and all of a sudden nothing's working. You can't run the same game plan you were expecting to. And what have you? So let's let's peel back a little bit on what went wrong here. Rocket Watts was a, a big, you know, proponent for the loss, unfortunately. So guys, I want to ask you. He's been kind of the primary ball handler for the Spartans this season. Can you can he still run the one? Are you still confident in his abilities to do so? Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen with this rotation, and I think if there was a good game to show I mean Thomas has been saying the past week now that he wants to trim this rotation and I think if there's a good game to show who's deserving of minutes right now and who's not it's that Northwestern game I'm ready for the Thomas Kithier experiment to be over he has not done anything of relevance and he started any he started every game this season um I think you know you take Kithier out and I think if anybody's earned a starting spot on this roster, it's been Malik Hall. Malik Hall has done something good every single game he's been in. He's usually, he's averaging like five and five right now or six and six or something like that, you know, and a guy who can come off the bench and go get six rebounds. I mean, that's amazing. And if you don't want to go small and start Malik Hall instead of Kithier, then it's between Kithier and Bingham. And I think Bingham's a better defensive option. Bingham's improved this year on both sides of the ball. His defense has been really well. And, you know, Kithier may play better positional defense, but when he gets a bigger guy on him down on the block, there's nothing he can do. You know, he's just not that, that strong and that tall. And I think maybe it's time we try Foster Lawyer back at the point again. You know, I think Foster looked a little bit more composed, a little less frustrated against Northwestern than Rocket did. But I don't love that idea against Wisconsin just because the last thing you want to do to – to a player in Rockets position who has a bad game like that on a really bad loss is just bring him down even more. So yes, there needs to be discipline. And I think teaching moments in practice this week, but I don't think you want to hurt his confidence and hurt his spirit by taking him from the starting lineup or giving him less minutes and not, not having him finish the game against Wisconsin. 
so I still have faith in Rocket. I think it was just an off night for him that coincided with a lot of other issues. Sloan, I'll before I kick over you, but I just, I just want to quick mention, I, I completely agree with something that you said, Brendan, and that Rocket Watts, you know, if this team is going to go far, he's going to have to be much, much better and probably be the dynamic ball handler, dominant kind of guy, like isolation score, that kind of thing. This offense is completely different than it was last season with Cassius Winston. It just has to be. That goes without saying. But Foster Lawyer, you're exactly right. I think Tom Izzo now has to walk the line there in the backcourt of, you know, giving Rocket Watts some disciplinary, you know, action there and also, you know, keeping uh, Foster Lawyer in the rotation because he's a guy who you said, Brennan, is not going to be like frazzled in those big game moments. And he's actually – you know, he, he's a junior. That's just what you kind of expect, and he's a captain on this team. So I, I agree. I think you got to kind of toe the line there, and maybe you get A.J. Hogart in the mix a little bit more. Uh, Sloan, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about all that. I think that Rocket should definitely retain his starting spot um, on this club, but I was going to toss this idea to both of you guys. What about playing Rocket and Foster together a little bit more? You know, they could play together, you know, in crunch time. You know, I'm sure this Wisconsin game is going to be very contested. Maybe they'll close the game together. Maybe there'll be big stretches of the first half of that game when they play together. I can't remember what games exactly they got a lot of run together. Maybe that Notre Dame game, maybe Duke a little bit. But when they have gotten run together, I've really liked, you know, Rocket, a little less pressure, get him off the ball, just kind of do your thing, go get buckets. And then Foster Lawyer in there, their half-court offense looks more crisp so far this year when Foster Lawyer has been running the point guard spot. So what about playing them together a little bit more? I mean, it's a little – you give up a little bit of size. I mean, maybe you make, you know, Langford swings up to the three, Henry at the four, you know, maybe Hauser at the five or any of those players. You'd give up a little bit of size, but that ball would be moving a little bit more, I think. You know, I, I – I think it was the the Detroit Mercy game you're actually referencing where uh, Foster, Lawyer, and Rocket Watts played together in there with Henry at the three. I don't remember who was at the four and five. But it does work well. But I think what Izzo is worried about and what I would be concerned about is, you know, one way of teaching someone to do anything is throw them into the fire, you know. If Rocket Watts is going to learn the point guard spot and be the point guard that this team needs in March and April – he's going to have to learn at some point how to handle uh, stuff like that. Wisconsin's a really good team. They play really good defense. They're going to get after you. I think it's a good idea to to leave Rocket at the point and um, make sure that – and see if he can learn how to handle it, you know. I I like the idea of giving him the occasional break and put Foster in there, and that way you have a spot-up shooter at point guard, a spot-up shooter at two – and two dynamic scorers who can get their own shot at the two and three. Um, I like that lineup, but I don't think you can have it for a prolonged period of time. Well, I'll say this, Sloan, I completely agree with you in that. That could be your closing lineup. Like, that's a home run. I think where I get a little more concerned as well is with, you know, if you're playing both those guys at the same time and say they need a breather, who then is going to come in? Is it going to be Hogard, you know, to, like, run the offense for a little bit? I don't really know. Um, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on because I do think Tom Izzo is going to try to work that in a little bit more. Foster Lawyer needs more minutes. I think we're all in agreement there, Sloan. I got one more, and I want you guys to sympathize with me. You know, think back to that Duke game. Think back to that Detroit Mercy game. Julius Marble, only nine minutes against Northwestern. Yep. It seems like anytime Julius Marble gets his name called in an important spot, he puts it on for his team. High-energy guy. You know, maybe not the most dynamic player defensively in terms of moving around, switching, being in the right spot. But on offense, he runs the floor. He's a hustle guy. You know, I'm surprised he didn't get more run against Northwestern. And I was kind of disappointed that he didn't. Nine minutes, uh, you know, three points, just one or two from the field in that game. But I'd like to see more Julius Marble. I mean, I know I'm a Marble guy, but, you know, maybe some of Kithier's minutes. I mean, 18 minutes for Kithier, you know, Two points, two fouls, you know, not a great you, performance. You so. took the words right out of my mouth there. I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking, Brennan. I'm sure you're the same. Uh, it's, yeah. it's it's the Kithier minutes for me that could come down quite a bit. I'm not saying Kithier needs to be out of the rotation, but he definitely doesn't need to be starting. He definitely doesn't need to be playing more than 12 minutes a game. So I could absolutely see Marble getting some of those minutes, and I think that's a smart move. Uh, you know, Brennan, you talked about Bingham getting some of those minutes. Either way, 
guys, we've talked at nauseum all season long about how this team is deep, and that is a good thing, but it can also be a little bit of a curse when you're trying to bang out the rotation here and you've got guys who aren't necessarily ready to roll sometimes. Yeah, and I just – maybe this is because I'm not a college basketball coach. I just don't see it with Kithier. I don't see what the coaching staff sees. I don't understand what he brings to the table that deserves – more than twice, three times as many minutes as Julius Marble in a Northwestern game like that. You know, Kithier's, in my opinion, not as good a defender as Bingham and Marble. He's definitely not as good a scorer. And he really just, he gets lost out there. It feels like it's five on four. You almost have to wonder, like, is it just a seniority thing? Like, I'm yeah, not, like, I don't, it's, it's strange. And I... Izzo, Izzo's fallen victim to that in the past. So, I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me I remember it was. Remember Ballad, that's a valid point. Ben Carter in the Syracuse game and not playing Jaron Jackson, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, I Izzo's, Izzo's an older guy, and he's been around a while. And I, he strikes me as someone – I have no proof of this, but he strikes me as someone who doesn't, like, change a whole lot. But he'll do it when he has to. And I think he – this is the time for him to realize that it's, it's okay to have a younger team. You've got your – veteran leaders in Joey Hauser and Foster Lawyer and Aaron Henry. It's okay to lean on sophomores like Rocket Watts and Julius Marble and stuff like that. But, you know, I've been following Kithier since I was in high school. Uh, my uh, UD Jesuit Cubs played him when he was at Macomb, Dakota. Wasn't impressed. He transferred to Clarkston to team up with Foster Lawyer. He ended up not uh, getting to play there due to uh, transfer rules and he had to sit out wasn't impressed from what I saw with him at Clarkson. You know, he was highly touted out of high school. I never personally saw it, and I still don't see it to this day. I think he'd be a much better fit at, uh, you know, a Mac university or something like that. And that's what people said about Foster Lawyer, and Lawyer proved me wrong this year. But Kithier hasn't done it. He, he just hasn't had the production yet. And I definitely agree with you guys. I, I'd be willing to flip entirely Kithier and Marble's minutes, 18 for six. I think that's a better, better solution. Yeah, I think we'll see if maybe, you know, we can we can follow this Hauser injury situation a little bit more. I mean, I know he came back against Northwestern a little bit, you know, had a brace or a sleeve or something on his knee. But that could also change who gets minutes if, you know, Hauser's going to be on more of a pitch count against Wisconsin. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to see this rotation start to get slimmed. I mean, you know, I know it's still early in the year. They're still figuring things out. It's a pandemic and stuff. You know, I hope I'm not being impatient with this take, but I mean, I just want guys to get roles and get comfortable and kind of in a groove. I mean, it's going to come hot and heavy. I mean, their next three games are Wisconsin and then a good Minnesota team who just knocked off a good St. Louis team. I watched that game and was impressed with the Gophers and then Rutgers who's fresh off a game against Illinois. So, I mean, it's time. I mean, there's really not any waiting around this year. I mean, you know, Gabe Brown, he's another guy. Is he going to be your first guy off the bench? Foster Lawyer going to be one of those first guys off the bench? I mean, maybe this is the time where guys start to separate themselves. Yeah, Sloan, you mentioned the uh, Joey Hauser injury. That's something to monitor going forward. I think we're all in agreement that if he's healthy – he is probably the one rock-solid guy in that entire front court rotation of, like, six guys that will not lose minutes. Like, he is going to play. He's the leader. He's the best scorer on this team. So we'll put that to bed. We'll sort of watch, you know, monitor that going forward. Do we have any last thoughts on the Northwestern loss before we look ahead to Wisconsin? Northwestern is better than people think this year. I know we talked uh, to Nathan Stearns in our banter group chat who says they're going to go from three conference wins to five. And they very – they they may very well Jesus but um you know they've got probably the toughest schedule in college basketball in my opinion coming up for their next for every conference game the rest of the season except for the last two they don't play a team that's ranked outside the top 25 in Ken Palm and for those of you that don't know Ken Palm is a statistical ranking that focuses more on the numbers uh portion of the, the game um, but yet, Northwestern's a really good team this year. They're, they're, they're I wouldn't say really good. They're, they're definitely better than they used to be. They're not a rollover game. I think they're going to upset some other people too. I look at them upsetting somebody like Indiana. I think they could win a game against Purdue or you know maybe Illinois or Ohio State. But I wouldn't 
look at this loss to Northwestern and be like, oh, we lost to the worst team in the Big Ten. It's, it's just not the case this year. I completely agree. I respect Chris Collins a lot. I respect their program. I mean, they're, they're always steady, Eddie. I mean, even in a season like last year when they didn't win a lot of games, they were still in a lot of games. A lot of respect for that program. I don't really know who I'm speaking to when I make this comment. I don't know if it's Tom Izzo. I don't know if it's Rocket Watts. But Watts in that Northwestern game, you know, struggled just as much defensively as he did offensively. You know, just a game he wants to put behind him. But don't get down Rocket Watts. And Tom Izzo, keep playing Rocket Watts. I want to continue to empower him to be the catalyst to this team, to be the guy who they go to when they need a bucket. Aaron Henry, I see, is the, you know, he's the defensive stopper. I mean, he's going to guard the other team's best player. He's going to be kind of your emotional leader. But when you need a bucket, I want that guy to be Rocket Watts, who they, this, this Spartan team asks for. You know, don't give up on him playing point guard. Don't give up on him putting him in the starting lineup. You know, it's a rough game. He's still just a sophomore, and this is the Big Ten Conference. But, you know, my soapbox moment right here goes out to Rocket Watts. You know, stay with it. I, I, I still believe in his game a ton. You know, Spartan fans out there, people who follow the team, you know, I think this is – I think there are better days for Rocket Watts. This is just going to be a blip in the radar for him. Yeah, Sloan, I think we're all in agreement here. You kind of hit the nail on the head. If this team is going to go far, Rocket Watts has to be the catalyst. And we'll see – you know, we'll keep an eye on that going forward, see how Tom Izzo manages him, and see how Northwestern does going forward. Because who knows? Yeah, this loss might not be as bad as it looks on the surface here. But nonetheless, the Spartans are 6-1, and one, and they look to get back on track on Christmas Day here in a couple days versus number nine, Wisconsin. The Badgers also 6-1, and one, this game being played at 1230 at the Breslin Center. Uh, Brendan will be there, correct? Brendan will be there calling the game, uh, so everybody tune into that. We'll give more information on that later. Follow WDVM Sports on Twitter to stay updated. But uh, this is going to be a good matchup, fellas. We got Micah Potter leading the Badgers in scoring at just under 14 points a game. Demetric Trice, the younger brother of uh, Spartan beloved Travis Trice. Nate Reavers and Brad Davison all in double digits as well for the Badgers. So this is a very well-oiled machine for the Wisconsin Badgers. It's a veteran team. And, guys, I just want to ask you, like, how do you see the Spartans matching up with the Badgers? Luke, we'll go to you first. I just want to note first, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, two of three members of this podcast are wearing Santa hats right now. Brendan is the one who is not. Hold up. You got to so, say what's on them. We got to wrap the city right real quick. Yeah. Trent, Trent has got a lovely Piston Santa hat, and I have a Detroit Tigers Santa hat. Uh, time of recording, it's Tuesday, right? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Okay. Uh, Pistons starting the season tonight. Go Pistons, Detroit basketball. Tigers just hired A.J. Hinch. Big things to come for them. But, Brendan, uh, where's your gear? You know, I'll show you where my gear is on Christmas Day in the Breslin Center. That's all I'm going to say. I got a little surprise oh, right. for you guys. Oh. You, know, you got a but, little Craig Sager action coming at us or what? Possibly, possibly. All right, all right. But if we're talking Detroit pride, I'm telling you, man, it's hard to beat me. If I, I'm not in my own bedroom right now because it is not currently equipped to hold the Zoom meeting. But if I was, I would flash my Tigers, Lions, Red Wings, and Pistons full-size fatheads along with players and other logos that take up the entirety of the room. Well, there we go. There's our Motor City Minute. We love Detroit. Detroit versus everybody. Big fans over here. One pride. Keep it moving. But Sloan, let's talk about the game coming up on Christmas Day. Yes, Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates Christmas. Spartans 6-1, and one, Badgers 6-1. and one. How do the Spartans match up? I mean, just looking down the schedule for Wisconsin, I pulled it up before the podcast and was looking down it. You know, this is a Wisconsin team, you know, coming to East Lansing. They're going to be ready to go. I mean, their, their Big Ten opener is tonight. Once again, we're recording on a Tuesday uh, against Nebraska. Uh, I'll be, we'll be watching that when it's on FS1, a um, little preview of, the, uh, of what the Badgers are going to look right like. Now. What are you going to say, Brendan? About, about 15 minutes from right now is tip-off for that game. Oof. We, we, better speed, we better speed through the rest of this one so we can get that scouting report. But uh, Wisconsin, you know, as of this recording time, is fresh off a win against number 23, Louisville. That's a really good win. You know, they played Marquette, lost to Marquette. That's a good Marquette team. So th this is a battle-tested Wisconsin team that's going to be ready to go. 
and it's a veteran team. I mean, names like Micah Potter, Demetric Trice, Nate Reavers, Brad Davison, Aleem Ford. I mean, these are guys who have been Wisconsin Badgers for a while. And Greg Gard, their coach, one of the finest in the Big Ten, you know, Wisconsin kind of quietly won to share that Big Ten regular season title last year, gave the Spartans fits. This is a veteran team with some dynamic forwards, you know, thinking about Potter, Reavers, you know, Aleem Ford. You know, we talk about these forwards for Michigan State, like Kiffier and Bingham and Marble, you know, wanting to establish spots. You know, there's going to be some matchups in this game where they can really, you know, show that they've taken a step and grown. And, you know, Demetric Trice as well. I'm a big fan of what he does, averaging just about 12 points this year. He can fill it up in a variety of ways, plays a lot of minutes for them, kind of a grinder. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that matchup as well for Rocket Watts because he'll Rocket will want a, a comeback on defense for that game for sure. Yeah, before I get into the matchup, quick shout-out to Lauren Bowman II. He's a, a freshman on Wisconsin from Orchard Lake, St. Mary's, who I had the pleasure of playing against and following in high school. A very good player. But this, this Wisconsin team is scary if you're Michigan State. Um, they're – entire leading core is essentially all seniors and you know that's been a specialty of Michigan State but we were just talking about the fact that they might have to go a little bit younger this year and and they don't really have any seniors to lead on um but this this Wisconsin team they play really solid defense they shoot the ball really well and their bigs are really good too you know and I think they could give our front court or Michigan State's front court a lot of fits and I don't see this as Michigan State's highlight win of the year. Um, we'll get to predictions later, but I think this could be a tough game for Michigan State. I think after what we've seen in the non-conference, um, especially post-Duke win, and especially after what we saw last night, I don't know if they have what it takes to fix everything in the next two days and turn it around come noon in East Lansing on Christmas. So one last question I have for you guys before we get into our score prediction. Uh, how, how concerning would a close loss be? Because you guys talk about how good Wisconsin is, and I completely concur with you guys. Wisconsin's a very good team. This is a tough matchup. Uh, you know, that team over there is a little bit more experienced than the one in East Lansing. So you have to wonder, like, even with a close loss, yes, the Spartans will have started 0-2 in the conference, but – is it really that concerning if you lose a close one, you play a lot better than you did against Northwestern? You know, I think the concerning part about a close loss, the only concerning part would be the fact that Michigan State starts the conference 0-2 conference play. I think that would really hurt their chances of getting back towards the top, especially with guys like Rutgers who are really hot. Ohio State's going to pick up a couple more wins before they lose in the conference, except they lost to Purdue already. Uh, Iowa probably isn't going to lose in the conference for a while. Um, Illinois is going to keep winning, I think, despite their loss to Rutgers. You know, and starting off 0-2 to Wisconsin, who's probably not going to lose a conference game for a while, is would definitely be a big struggle for Michigan State. That's not how you want to start the season. Um, I think if it's a close loss and they play solid defense and they shoot the ball well, then there's not much concerning as far as how they play on the floor. You know, if, 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 if they show improvement in what was god-awful against Northwestern, that's all you can be happy with, win or loss. You know, Wisconsin's a really good team. I think they deserve to be higher ranked uh, than ninth in the country. Um, again, problems with the AP. But, yeah, I think as long as they can, can fix what they struggled with, that's reason to be happy. You know, I would love, you know, a, a good moral victory for them in this game. You know, I feel like that would kind of cool the temperature for Spartan fans. I mean, there's going to be a lot of Spartans tuning into this game. I mean, nobody's going to be working on Christmas Day. So, you know, this isn't the FM radio wave. So I can say, hey, go listen to Brendan Shabbat and Eric Baca and the call for that game on Christmas Day. I don't try to believe in moral victories. I'd feel pretty content as an onlooker of this basketball team if they were to come back, you know, have a better defensive performance, Rocket Watts were to bounce back. But I think the reality of the situation is that in such a competitive Big Ten in 2020, 2021, you know, these are the games you need to win if you, if you want to take home that regular season crown. And if that's truly what Michigan State still has in mind, I mean, these are the games you need to win. I mean, I, I try not to believe in moral victories a ton of the time. 
Um, you know, starting off 0-2 in the conference, that wouldn't be great for morale. So I'd like to see them still get after this one uh, and, and, and close it out with a win. All right, so I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves here. I'm kind of getting a vibe for what you guys are thinking here in your score predictions. I, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting you guys might both say a loss. I don't know. I'll let you guys speak your piece in a second. I think the Spartans win a very close game. I've got the Spartans winning 85 to 80, and I think they just get it done. Merry Christmas to all you Spartans. By the way, this is going to be a very pretty game to watch for Christmas. It's green versus red. I don't know. I, I always think about that kind of stuff, dumb stuff. Maybe the NCAA, NCAA had something in their bag, or the, or the Big Ten, rather, uh, scheduling this game. But whatever. I just think, all in all, the Spartans are going to come back and bounce back quite a bit. I expect Rocket Watts to score at least 15 points. I expect Joey Hauser, if healthy, to score at least 12 to 15 points. And I really think this is Josh Lankford's coming out party after seven games of kind of, you know, he's, he's taken off on his trajectory, and he hasn't looked really bad at all other than the Northwestern loss. Uh, in terms of just like fouling out and stuff. But I definitely think Josh Langford contributes big in this one as the sixth-year player that he is. And I just – I like the Spartans to win a very, very, very close game against a good Wisconsin team. And I do think this will be the most impressive win that you see for the Spartans for a while, definitely until 2021. So, Luke, what, I'll kick it over to you. What do you think? You know, a constant theme for me in the predictions has been sticking to the prediction sheet that we made on the first episode of this podcast I predicted a win episode one of the 2020-2021 season and I'm going to go with the win again I think that this is going to be a big coming out party for Rocket Watts I still believe in his game I think he scores 20 plus in this game and I think Michigan State wins 70 to 64 I think that Rocket Watts gets the best of Demetric Trice and I think a surprise player in the front court steps up for Michigan State Maybe it's a Julius Marble. Maybe it's a Marcus Bingham. You know, Brendan, you mentioned some of the tough matchups these Michigan State forwards could have with Wisconsin forwards like Reavers, Ford, Potter, who's pretty much – Potter's led them in scoring for pretty much every game this year. He had 20 against Louisville, I believe. I think that one of those Michigan State forwards is going to take this personally and step up. You know, the selfish part of me is is pulling for Julius Marble uh, to make my predictions on this podcast look better. But I bet you it's a good performance from Rocket Watts, and we're going to get a surprise from, from someone like Bingham or maybe even Kithier. I'm not going to rule out him either. You know, guys, I, I'm a little disappointed because you're going to make me the only pessimist, and I'm either going to be the only person right come about 3 p.m. on Christmas or the only person wrong. So I'll have to take my chances with that. I have to be a journalist before I am a fan. That's not what I'm saying you guys are, but that's just me. Um, The way I look at it is Wisconsin can afford for one of their six seniors to have an off night. I don't think Michigan State can afford anybody to have an off night. I think Aaron Henry has to score 12 or 15 points and get two or three steals and like one turnover. I think Rocket Watts has to score about 18 points. I think Josh Langford needs to put up nine or 10. I think Joey Hauser needs to knock down three threes and grab 10 boards. You know, I think Gabe Brown needs to come off the bench and provide at least eight points. Malik Hall's got to go grab five or six rebounds. I don't just with, with the way they've sputtered to wins in in the non-conference and the way they played against Northwestern, do I think they'll be better? Yes. I don't think there's any way they can be worse any single player or the team as a whole can be worse than Northwestern. I don't think that's possible. Do I think they're going to be good enough to win? I, I just don't see it in them. I mean, Luke, you mentioned that this Wisconsin team beat Louisville. They beat Louisville handedly. I mean, they beat the crap out of it. I think it was 82 to 43 was the final. I remember I was, it, that was a day when there were all these good games going on. We had Ohio state Northwestern football and Iowa Gonzaga basketball. And I was trying to keep up with all of them. And I looked on my ESPN app just to see what the score was if I should tune into that Wisconsin-Louisville game. And it was like 30-5 to with like seven minutes left in the first half. You know, this is a really good Wisconsin team. I don't think they get enough media attention. Um, I don't think they're ranked high enough either, like I said. And I don't see Michigan State's front court handling Reavers and Ford and Micah. So I I have it as an 87 to 77 win for Wisconsin, a 10 point win. Holy smokes. I don't want to be in that Tom Izzo postgame press conference. If they let up 87 points to Wisconsin, wow, that would, 
that would really stir the drink around the I, Michigan State facility. I will I will add that, you know, I'll, I'm keeping this on the low because I plan on doing a, a more in-depth uh, dive into the statistical side of Michigan State basketball later in the year. But uh, Alex McCray would be disappointed if he were listening right now. But uh, for those of you listening at home that don't know, Ken Pomeroy is a writer for The Athletic who developed a website that uh, he created equations and stuff on his own to take an in-depth look at every team in Division One college basketball and how they match up statistically. And he created rankings. And the Ken Palm rankings are what coaches today use, what, all, what a bunch of media members use. Uh, the AP poll looks at Ken Palm to sort their teams out. I think Ken Palm is really accurate. I think it's a good indication of how teams really are. Coming into the Northwestern game, Michigan State's ranked fourth in the country, and they were ranked like 27th in Ken Palm. And I think that was pretty accurate. You know, they really haven't proven themselves well. But um, in each team's uh, statistical numbers, uh, one of the categories that they get a ranking for is adjusted defense, which is points allowed per 100 possessions. Michigan State has historically been a really good defensive team. And going back 10 years from what I was looking at, they finished around the top 20 every year in adjusted defense right now, their adjusted defense margin. They're plus 50 ranked right now. And I just don't see them. That's why I, that's why I give Wisconsin 87 points. I don't see them shutting down Wisconsin. I feel like teams get hot against Michigan state too. And we saw it with Northwestern, you know, we've seen it with other teams. I think when they give up some threes, they can kind of let teams get in a groove. Um, and I just don't see their defense stepping up in the way that we saw against like Notre Dame and Duke. So defensive struggles in Brendan's mind has the Spartans losing by 10. Luke has the Spartans winning by six and I have the Spartans winning by five. Nonetheless, it's going to be within 10 points in our minds. It's going to be a good game. You hope on Christmas day. Uh, so guys, we're, we're excited to watch that one. And now we have to unveil, you know, a nice little Christmas gift to our viewers. We have a brand new segment here. Uh, we're going to try to do this at the end of every show. It's going to be called the four point play with Brendan Shabbat. Brendan, a big college basketball guy, really into the national landscape. And we like to we like to shed a little light on what's happening around the nation uh, in college basketball on this podcast. So Brendan is going to give us two big matchups for the next week and two big games from the past week that you got to keep an eye on. So Brendan, we'll I'll just kick it over to you. I'll let you drive, brother. Yeah, you know I'm I'm really excited about this segment. I as you mentioned, I'm a big fan of the college basketball national landscape as a whole. In my opinion. It's the best sport in the country as far as, you know, the, the fan base and the coaches and players and everything. I think I'm a basketball guy at heart anyways, but I just think there's nothing better than college basketball. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, four-point play, we mentioned two games from the past week, two games coming up. That might change moving forward. We'll see. It depends. There's, there's you know, there may not be a whole lot of good games from the week before and not a whole lot of good ones coming up. But there were a lot of good games for both uh, segments, I guess. Uh, last week, I was really impressed by Rutgers' three-point win, 91-88 over Illinois. And Ron Harper Jr. had 28 points and nine rebounds. He's now fifth in the country in scoring. Rutgers is well on their way to the top of the Big Ten right now. I actually picked Illinois in that game. I'm in this thing. I don't even remember how I got into it. I think I saw a link on Twitter and just filled it out. It was like It's like a Google form that this guy sends to us every week. It's like probably – 20 other random dudes who are college basketball fans. He sends us a Google form every week of the games that week. It's usually 20 to 25 games. We pick the winner and then we see how we did. And I actually picked Illinois in that game. And last week I, I went 13 and four of the games that were available, which is, which was top of top of the league that week. Actually, one of the games that I lost was that Illinois game. So Rutgers, I'm proud of you for winning, and I've been a Rutgers advocate all the way back to podcast one. For those of you that don't believe me, go back and listen. Uh, Sloan, you got something to say. Ron Harper Jr., I love his game. I mean, he gets after it and fills it up in a variety of ways on offense. I mean, he can go stretch it beyond the arc. He's got good bounce. He's tough in the paint, and he gets after it. He gets after it on the defensive end of the floor as well. I am really, really looking forward to when Michigan State matches up with this Rutgers team. I like Geo Baker a lot, too. Steve Peichel, uh, pounding nails. Uh, I mean, nails. John Rothstein. Yeah, um, but, I, but, yeah, Ron Harper Jr., 
not a lot of not a lot of Big Ten people had him, you know, on their radar, you know, headed into the season, and he stepped up in a big way for them. So, kind of a breakout performer. Yeah, you know, I got to give a shout out to the Athletic, who I have a subscription to, and who kind of bolstered my love for college basketball last season. They do great work nationally with college basketball. And a shout out to Brendan Quinn, who writes for Michigan and Michigan State basketball on the Athletic. Um, but yeah, they kind of put me on to Rutgers last year about midway through the season. I, can't, I think it might have been uh, Eamon Brennan, who was one of their head college basketball guys, um, who kind of put me on to Rutgers and Ron Harper Jr. I didn't get a whole lot of chances to watch them, but they came up with some big wins. Obviously, we didn't get to see them in the Big Ten tournament last year because of the coronavirus. But, you know, I really like them this year, and I think they're, they're destined to do really good things. They're just – and they're an easy team to root for, which is nice. Um, and, unfortunately, Illinois is a team that I've been high on, and they're down to, I think, three or four losses this season. They're just slipping drastically. Uh, staying in the Big Ten uh, last week, also another great game, was that Gonzaga-Iowa game that tipped off at noon. Uh, Gonzaga won that one 99-88. I think if you would have told Iowa going into that game that they were going to score 88 points and lose, I think they would have been pretty surprised, you know. But Jalen Suggs. Definitely national player of the year. Two national player of the year candidates in that game with Jalen Suggs and Luca Garza. Garza finished with 30 and 10. Suggs had 27 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and couldn't miss from deep. That was a really fun game to watch. Uh, Gonzaga is, I think, well on their way. I don't see a way they're going to lose the rest of the year, especially when they start conference play. Um, we've talked about it in the banter group chat. Joey Ellis, uh, former impactor, is a big – Gonzaga guy and I am too I think there's a big gap between Gonzaga and Baylor and the rest of the country and I think that game against Iowa proved it 11 points was not as close as the game was Gonzaga had a pretty big lead for most of that game I think the the, the alarming thing from the Big Ten perspective of that game I got a chance to, to catch some of the second half of that game but Iowa giving up you know darn near 100 points in that game Defense has been a problem for them with some good Fran McCaffrey teams of the past few years, and they're not going to want that to continue to be a problem. You know, defense travels, you know, that, that's going to prove true this Big Ten season. So they're going to have to get that short up uh, in Iowa City if they really want to make the run that I think they're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the good matchups coming up this week, uh, both at the same time on the same day, uh, post Christmas, December 26, if you have, if you're listening and you have cable, uh, or DVR record one, watch the other, go back, flip between commercial breaks. These are two games I definitely don't want to miss. I'm going to try not to, I'll be alone in my apartment in East Lansing. So hopefully I won't have any distractions, but the first one I have written down is Indiana, uh, travels to Illinois, uh, at 4 PM on the 26th. Um, this is a really good Indiana team that I like. I think they don't have a lot of guard play which may lead to some struggles in the Big Ten. But I thought Illinois was the favorite to win the Big Ten at the start of the year, and I've been proven very wrong with them. And I think I have Illinois picked in this game. I think Illinois wins by probably eight or so, but I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset, I think is my point there. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis for Indiana. His game has really evolved freshman year to sophomore year. You know, Julian Mitchell, friend of the podcast, hey, who just got a job in Minnesota. Shout out Julian Mitchell. A great guy. All around great fella. But him and I got to see Trace Jackson Davis up close and personal last year in Bloomington. We both really liked what we saw. He's a sleepy Big Ten player of the year uh, candidate. And I think that, you know, watching this from a Michigan State perspective and following, you know, the Michigan State team, they're going to have to start grooming somebody in their front court who's going to match up against him. You know, maybe it's Hauser. You know, maybe it's Bingham. You know, that we had that debate earlier in the podcast, but he's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. Yeah, you know, I think there's a, there's a couple people in the Big Ten that are not going to win Big Ten Player of the Year that definitely, because of Luka Garza and the numbers he's going to put up, but that definitely should be in the running. And that's, we've already mentioned them. You mentioned Trace Jackson Davis and then Ron Harper Jr. as well. I think I would assume was going to be in that category. Uh, too. But, you know, I watched that Indiana-Florida State game earlier in the year uh, in which Florida State hit a buzzer beater with like 0.3 seconds left or something to win that game in overtime. That was a really good game. Um, But like I said, and Alex McCray from uh, a former impactor pointed this out too during that game was Indiana just doesn't have the guard play that you need to win the Big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis was on fire in that game. They couldn't find the ball or couldn't find him the ball and stuff. And 
if, if they want to be the team that everybody thinks they can be, their guards are definitely going to have to step up. Um, but moving on to the next game, another big one that same day, 4 o'clock, Gonzaga in Virginia. You know, Virginia came in to the season ranked, I believe, eighth in the country. Um, they had that loss to San Francisco. They went to overtime with Kent State. Um, they didn't get to play Michigan State. They, they've missed some non-conference games. But I'm really excited to see uh, Gonzaga and Virginia play each other. I believe this is Gonzaga's last non-conference game before they go back to conference play. Also, shout out Mark Few and what he did with the scheduling this year. I've been one of a, a huge critic historically of Gonzaga for having a cupcake schedule. Teams like Gonzaga, Dayton last year, San Diego State every year, with teams that they go 28-2 and two the whole season, but they play, you know, in the Mountain Valley and stuff like that where there's not a whole lot of competition. But Gonzaga not only scheduled a tremendous non-conference schedule with games against – West Virginia, Kansas, Iowa, Virginia, you know, a lot of these great games, they're winning all of these games too. And very convincingly, you know, and they, they schedule the game against Baylor that hopefully gets to be, they didn't get to play because of COVID. Hopefully that can be rescheduled some other time. I would love to see that number one versus number two. Um, but yeah, shout out Gonzaga for what they've done so far this year. They're my current favorite to win the national championship. Um, and then Virginia, I'm really excited to see. I haven't got to watch them yet. I was excited to watch the Hauser Bowl with Sam and Joey Hauser facing off. But I still think Virginia could be a good team. And it seems like right now the ACC is kind of up for grabs. Florida State's a really good team. Duke's slipping. North Carolina's kind of inconsistent. Virginia's going to be up there. You know, we'll see how the ACC shakes out. But I think that's a really good game to watch, too. Another good non-conference game. I got Gonzaga in that one by about 15 or 20, but I think it can be a good game. And, and, and good for uh, March uh, predictions. You know, I think not every game is going to be a close one that you watch, but if you're trying to do what I do, which is watch those non-conference games early in the season so you have a reference in March, I think this is a good one to watch so you can understand both teams. But that concludes the first ever segment of Four Point Play. Four Point Play with Brennan Shabbat. There you have it. Thank you, Brennan, for bringing us that great content. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. And before we go, I have to, I have to real quick give a shout-out to our guy Luke Sloan, who has accepted a tremendous internship this, uh, what, 2021, correct? Summer 2021? Spring? It's spring 2021. I'm looking forward to it. I tell, appreciate it, Tell the it, people about it. Tell the people about it. Big-time stuff. Yeah. Here. Hey, I appreciate that, Trent. Um, yeah, spring 2021. Uh, remotely. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not traveling anywhere. So I can, you know, still get my Michigan state basketball fix and impact 89 FM fix, but I'm going to be interning remotely with uh mad dog sports radio, uh, a one of a channel 82 on Sirius XM. Um, looking forward to that a lot. I'm going to start in February. It's going to go through like April, May. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to meeting the people over there at Sirius XM and really like, continue to evolve my craft and radio and stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I, pr- I appreciate that shout out Trent. I appreciate yes. it. Oh yeah, of course. Always putting on for WDVM representing us. Well, our sports director, for those who don't know Luke Sloan. Uh, and I think that concludes it guys. Tune in on Christmas day, 1230, Brennan Shabbat, Eric Bach on the call, Wisconsin Badgers coming in to take on the Spartans. It's a nine versus 12 matchup. Going to be a good game. Uh, hopefully. And uh, nonetheless, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, if you don't, happy holidays. Brendan, you got any last words? Keep an eye out for the, the Twitter stand-up post-game Wisconsin. It's a, a Craig Sager-ish look. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil any more. Brendan's coming through with the drip, so everyone pay attention. And go Pistons. I'm about to run to my TV. Yeah, go, go Pistons. That's another that's – another, we got to shout out the Pistons a little bit. Big season on the horizon. Lots of young guys on the team. You know, we didn't mention you two – kick off each other in fantasy basketball tonight, the first night of your guys' matchup. Who do, who, let's get some trash talk going. Who do we think is going to win this? Well, obviously, hey, this me, is like, I, I, have, I have LeBron James on my team. So one team has LeBron James. Hey, I, have, I got the youth movement on Team Sloan. I got Giannis. I got Zion. I got John Morant. The future of the league is on my roster. Even Michael Porter Jr., I went, I went big time young this year, young, fresh legs. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take me to the ship. There's no money on this, though. 
I don't want to. I don't want to act like, hey, we need to put money on this or anything. But I'm just no. saying that it would give us a little bit more. It would give everybody a little bit more incentive. Hey, I'll say this: Sloan, Sloan, Sloan has the future. I'll give him that. I got right now. I got LeBron James. I got Russell Westbrook. I got a little Andre Drummond action, double double machine. We'll we'll see. It, it it should be a good game. I do have a little youth mixed in too. Killian Hayes. Yeah, there you go. We'll keep the people updated as the the matchup goes on. It's a week long, so we'll see. One week long, yeah, for sure. So everyone, stay tuned to WDBM Sports on Twitter for more updates. Tune into these guys. Brennan Shabbat, Eric Bach on the call Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Take care.